0: Now, enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
1: Good morning, People's Baptist Church. And welcome to all those who joined us for this live stream worship service, coming to us from the sanctuary of our church. This building was built in 1868, and we've been occupying it since 1898. And we're delighted to have you join us for this first Sunday where we celebrate the Lord's dying love for us. And let me just take a moment to have a shout out to my granddaughter, Alice, in in Brooklyn, who has been watching this service ever since we started to live stream. And uh, and um, and, uh, Alice is five years old and um, Sylvia is 11 months, and their parents are Michael Roberts, my son, and his wife, um, Alicia Davis Roberts. The title of the message today is A Promise-Keeping God. A Promise-Keeping God. An elderly Christian man was in much distress as he lay dying. "Oh, pastor,' he said, "'for years I have relied upon the promises of God, "'but now in the hour of death "'I can't remember a single one to comfort me.'" Knowing that Satan was trying to defeat him, the pastor said, "'My brother, do you think that God will forget "'any of his promises?' A smile came over his face as he exclaimed joyfully, No, no, he won't. Praise the Lord. I can now fall asleep in Jesus and trust him to remember them all and bring me safely to heaven. Peace flooded his soul, and a short time later he was ushered by angels into the light of God's eternal day. There's no greater comfort for the Christian going through trials and tribulations of of life than to have the assurance that God is a promise-keeping God. Go back in time with me, 2020 years, to the little country of Israel. For 400 years, the period between the book of Malachi and the Gospel of Matthew There was no communication from heaven at all. Those were years when God appears to have been silent. The nation of Israel was occupied by a foreign power, Rome. There was a sense of disillusionment, a loss of hope throughout the nation. But suddenly the heavens were stirring The clock of history that tells the passing of the centuries was getting ready to strike the high noon of all the ages of human existence. There was to be a marriage between heaven and earth. Angel visitors were coming down from the courts of heaven with wonderful news for mankind. Angel Gabriel, one of the most powerful of God's messengers, had come with a message to an elderly couple, Zechariah, a priest, and his wife Elizabeth. These were people for whom religion was not just a habit or tradition. They took their faith seriously and were waiting and praying for the coming of their promised deliverer, the Messiah. God's angel had come to tell them that they were to have a part in the final unfolding of God's plan of salvation. Luke 1, 12-15 says, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. In another part of the country, this same angel Gabriel later appeared to one of Israel's virtuous women, a virgin named Mary, and gave her the most stupendous message ever heard. Luke chapter 1, 30 and 32 through 32 records this for us. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. God was about to take on human form, and Mary would be his human mother, and his name would be Jesus. In the meantime, Elizabeth... Conceived in her old age and gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. As was the custom, family and friends assembled on the eighth day for the joyous service of circumcision, a service dedicating the child to God. In the midst of this service, Zechariah, who had been struck dumb by the angel because he had doubted the message, had his speech restored. Filled with joy at what was happening, Zechariah broke out in a prophetic song of praise to God. And so the first of two points that I want to make today is that Zechariah had confidence that God is a promise keeping God. Luke 1 68 through seven seventy, we have Zechariah's song of praise. Zechariah said, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets. There were not many in Israel uh, 2,000 years ago who still believed that the promises God had given through his holy prophets would ever be fulfilled. As the centuries came and went, each succeeding generation seemed to believe less in the promise of God that a Savior would come. Zachariah was one of those who still believed, though when the angel told him that his family would have a part in God's eternal plan, he discovered that his faith was not so strong at all. It is one thing to believe in God's plan in general. It is quite another to believe in your personal involvement in it. It is one thing to tell others that God will not fail them. It is quite another to believe that he will take care of you when you are in a crisis situation and your life is coming apart at the seams. Zachariah reacted to God's message in a very human way. In Luke chapter 1, 18, we read, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Zechariah needed to see some confirming evidences. But as events began to unfold, Zechariah's faith was strengthened, and he made the connection between what they prophets had said, and what God was doing before his very eyes. One of the problems we face as human beings is that it is much easier to walk by sight than to walk by faith. Our experiences sometimes make it difficult to trust anyone, including God. We are so Accustomed to people making promises and not keeping them, that we tend to take all promises lightly. From the mid-1980s to the mid-1990s, there were numerous reports in the news media of employees who had been given promises of job security by their companies only to find that these promises were not kept. In the world of 2020, Promises of job security don't mean very much at all. Brothers and sisters, there is only one person whose word can be trusted absolutely, and that is the living God. To doubt the fulfillment of a single promise made by God, whom the Bible says cannot lie, is to doubt his very existence. A promise is as good as the person who makes it. It is bound up with a person's character and failure to honor a promise brings irreparable damage to that person's reputation. The term read my lips has become a term of ridicule in the realm of politics because former President George H.W. Bush failed to keep his promise that there would be no new taxes. And um, from what... um, People have said that that was probably one of the reasons he lost uh, the election to have a second term. But when the God of the universe gives us a promise, his character demands that it be fulfilled perfectly. It is not possible for God to be God and fail in the fulfillment of his promises. So when we read a promise of God in the Scriptures, we can be assured that it is as certain as a fact already accomplished. Notice that Zechariah treats God's promises having been fulfilled, even though Christ was not yet born. He says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. Christ was not yet born. You see, faith in God allowed Zechariah to affirm what was promised as having actually taken place. When we go to God to ask for anything on the basis of a promise that he has given us, as soon as you ask, you can start thanking God for having done it. Should God fail to honor any promise he has made, he would suffer far more than us. For that would be a denial of what we call his immutability or his unchangeableness. And he would cease to be God. Whatever God says he is obligated to do and he has the power to do it. God will fulfill his promises about our everyday needs as well as those which concern our everlasting joy and blessing in the presence of our great God and Savior. Whatever divine promises you can think of, he will surely keep every one of them. Whatever be our need, there is a divine promise given to meet that need. When, the, when you believe this, then you can sing the songs of Zion from your own heart, even in the midst of sickness and sorrow. But secondly, God is always on schedule in fulfilling his promises. I'm sure that Zechariah and all the devout people of Israel must have wondered why God had delayed sending the Savior he promised Eve in the Garden of Eden. If you had lived in Israel, you would have grown impatient also. It is not easy for us to deal with what seems like inaction on God's part. Can you imagine what it must have been like for our slave ancestors who prayed generation after generation for deliverance from bondage for over 300 years? But God answered their prayers through a president called Abraham Lincoln. See, when you have prayed faithfully, Day after day, week after week, year after year, and see no results, you can become discouraged and even depressed. But the experience of Zechariah, Joseph, Moses, or slave ancestors, and a host of God's people should remind us that God is always on time. He is never a minute early or a minute late. His timing is perfectly suited to our situation, even though we may not be aware of it or may not be able to appreciate it. What God says He will do, He will do. There are four words every Christian should never forget God keeps His word. He will not tell us one thing and do another. He will never use the expression that we often use oh, well, promises are meant to be broken. Remember that God doesn't operate on our time tables or schedules. He does not operate in the realm of the clock. He is not restricted to a calendar or to a diary. He never forgets or retracts his word. His timing is perfect. So whenever I'm troubled as to the ways of God, if I cannot understand what is really happening in my life, if God appears to be slow in answering my prayers, I have to remind myself that God's schedule is different from mine. I move in time, but God moves in eternity. I think in terms of past, present, and future. But God sees everything at one time. He sees the end from the beginning and can make far better decisions for me than I can with my limited and imperfect knowledge. He knows what is good for me, what will benefit me down the highway of life. So when I go to him, my attitude should be, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. You see, the intensity of my prayers, my shouting and making a lot of noise, will not cause God to act sooner than he has willed. He has a schedule, and I cannot persuade him to change to meet my schedule. God had a schedule for humanity. When the time was right and humanity was ready for a savior, God was there and his promises were fulfilled to the letter. It is this fulfillment that Zechariah saw which led him to explain praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. In his heart, this old saint must have been thinking, God is a faithful God. His promise to our father Abraham is at last being fulfilled. All that we could grasp the truth that Almighty God is always on schedule. There is no delay with God. He never puts off anything until tomorrow. He has his time, the right time, the absolutely best time for everything. When that time comes, things are done, prayers are answered, promises are fulfilled, and not a moment before or after. Zechariah was looking forward to the coming of a Savior who was to be born at Bethlehem. The Redeemer has come and we can celebrate the fact that the babe of Bethlehem is the Christ of Calvary and our Savior from sin. We now see the fulfillment of God's prophetic word far better than Zechariah could. In his coming to earth, Jesus fulfilled some four to five prophecies about his coming. So that he would be born of a woman that he would be from the line of Abraham, that he would be from the line of Judah, he would be from the house of David, he would be born of a virgin and be called Emmanuel, God, with us. His throne would be an everlasting one. He would have a forerunner. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be worshipped by wise men and presented with gifts, His friend would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. He would be crucified between two thieves and would be raised from the dead. This is enough to show that God takes his promises seriously, and so should we. As children of God, we have in the scriptures many great and precious promises that we can claim right now. God has promised answers to our prayers. This is a confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. First John 5:14. "He has promised deliverance from evil. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Second Timothy chapter four and verse 18. He has promised freedom from anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. He has promised inner peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 14, 27. And you promised forgiveness for our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. See, everything we need for time and eternity is promised to us by the promise-keeping God who can never fail. But we must become familiar with what the promises of God actually are. Then we need to pray daily for God to fulfill his promises in our lives and ask him to give us patience or the patience that we need to wait and to trust. Maybe someone listening to me or watching this live stream service this morning feel like your life is filled with pain and suffering. Maybe you feel like you are working so hard just to survive and life is empty and hopeless. Maybe you wonder if there is ever going to be a time or going to be a way out of this miserable condition you find yourself in. You wonder if the light will ever come out again in your life. You wonder if your long night will ever end. But there's good news for you. Jesus is waiting to bring the light into your life. He didn't just do it for the people 2,000 years ago. He's still in the business of turning people's lives around. He can be the fountain of your joy, the source of your comfort, the delight of your soul, the wisdom of your decisions, the healer of your body the cause of your hope, the answer to your questions and the solution to your problems. God will not fail you when you're standing on his promises and praising the wonderful name of him who is your savior, your master, your advocate, your friend, your brother, and your soon coming king. Standing on the promises of Christ, my king, Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org and tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.